The following podcast is part of a certified educational activity titled Making the Case for Preventing and Managing Nephropathy in Patients with Fabry Disease. Access the entire activity and complete the post-test at peerview.com forward slash gpd860. Downloadable slides and practice aids are also available. Hello, my name is Anjay Rastogi. I'm a nephrologist and pharmacologist and also a Fabry disease specialist based out of David Geffen School of Medicine at UCLA, Los Angeles. Welcome to this unique case-based educational activity on managing and preventing nephropathy in patients with Fabry disease. This activity will give you the opportunity to explore strategies to confirm an accurate diagnosis and also guide you through treatment options to optimize care. So let's get started and see how management decisions can change based on different variables, the patient, the disease, and the treatment-related factors. So what is Fabry's disease? Fabry disease, and we'll call it FD moving forward, is an X-linked inherited disorder of lipid metabolism, resulting from the deficient activity of an enzyme called alpha-galactosidase A, or alpha-gal-A. And this enzyme actually resides in the lysosomes. Although it is X-linked, in 2001, it was recognized that females can also have the disease. The exact female prevalence, however, is not known. And I think this is important because this is now, instead of calling it X-linked recessive, we call it X-linked and the females are called heterozygotes, not what we used to call carriers. And I think this is a very key point to keep in mind. The enzyme deficiency causes a continuous buildup of GL3 and GB3. These are end products of glycolipid metabolism. And as these end products accumulate, they result in cell abnormalities and organ dysfunction that particularly affect the cardiovascular system, the kidneys, and the nervous system. Fabry disease may be the most common lysosomal storage disease worldwide, with up to one in 5,000 males being affected. It is also the second most common inherited cause of kidney disease, the most common being ADPKD, or what we call autosomal dominant polycystic kidney disease. And also Fabry is one of the two LSDs that affect the kidneys, the other one being cystinosis. Also keep in mind that Fabry disease is highly underdiagnosed and then obviously undertreated. Diagnostic delays from 3 to 20 years between symptom onset and diagnosis, which leads to untreated disease and cardiac, renal, and nervous system damage. So the key thing is early diagnosis and intervention. So let's talk about diagnosis and management. Given the progressive nature of Fabry disease, early diagnosis is important, but is often missed or delayed until kidney or cardiovascular system has been affected. Women are often misdiagnosed as having lupus, fibromyalgia, or other conditions. Diagnosis is confirmed by demonstrating the enzyme deficiency in males and by identifying the specific gene mutation in males and females, which I as mentioned resides in the X chromosome. Now, management of fiber disease requires a multidisciplinary approach. Besides the geneticist, we have to have a strong internist, the nephrologist, cardiologist, neurologist, pain specialist, and many more. But what we actually do need is a champion for fiber disease, somebody who can oversee and coordinate the care for these patients. Fiber disease is, is treated with supportive care, the what we call standard of care, schedule assessments, but also specific disease-modifying treatment, which includes enzyme replacement therapy. You basically replace the enzyme that's deficient. Or now chaperone therapy, 
We also have chaperone therapy, which is an oral therapy available to patients with the amenable mutation. Nephropathy in Fabry disease. So let's talk about kidney disease specifically in patients with Fabry disease. Fabry disease nephropathy presents with a wide range of disease severity, both in males and females. Proteinuria as a manifestation of polocyte injury in Fabry disease nephropathy is strongly associated with renal disease progression. Overall rate of progression of CKD resembles that of diabetic nephropathy in, in many ways. And untreated patients frequently develop ESKD in the 50s or even earlier. ESKD standing for end-stage kidney disease. Patients with Fabry disease nephropathy who develop renal failure frequently suffer concurrent symptoms from other major organ systems, especially cardiovascular disease. Fabry disease screening among ESKD patients is important clinical tool for the detection of Fabry disease and should be considered as the possible underlying etiology of unexplained ESKD, not only in males, but also in females undergoing dialysis. Keep in mind, this actually has impact on their care, including transplant, especially if they're looking for what we call living kidney donors. Now let's look at the overview of treatment with Fabry disease nephropathy. Besides the standard of care, getting their blood pressure to go, getting their proteinuria under control, there's also disease-modifying therapy, which includes enzyme replacement therapy with agalcidase alpha or agalcidase beta, and also megalostat, the chaperone therapy for patients who have the amenable mutations. ERD slows or prevents irreversible damage in the cardiac and lung systems if started in an earlier stage. Lower efficacy in advanced stages, but even in patients with ESKD, may slow progression or development of extra-renal signs and symptoms and improve quality of life. Adjunctive and supportive therapy for management of CKD, which is chronic kidney disease, and cardiovascular risk factors is also necessary. This includes reduction of proteinuria, getting blood pressure under control, managing dyslipidemia, and much more. And like I mentioned, megalostat is an oral option for patients with amenable mutations. So let's look at our first case. This is Jack. He's a five-year-old boy who was identified as having Fabry disease through newborn screening. And now he presents with neuropathic pain and also was found to have what we call corneal vertis ladders on eye examination. So Jack has neuropathic pain and neuropathic pain is actually one of the manifestations of Fabry disease affecting the peripheral nervous system and also the autonomic nervous system. And these patients present with pain, numbness, tingling, and a lot of other manifestations. And these are brought on or precipitated by stress, by fever, and anything else that stresses out the individual. As mentioned, the history, Jack was identified as having Fabry disease through newborn screening. His examination was otherwise unremarkable, and he's currently on no medications. So let's look at newborn screening for Fabry disease. Best way to detect Fabry disease at an early stage with a predictive value of 60% in one study, especially in asymptomatic patients. This has high sensitivity, but a varying specificity depending on the screening technology used. So since Jack's condition is genetic, how should his family be counseled regarding their risk? Every time you identify a Fabry disease patient, make sure that you also screen at-risk family members because every Fabry disease patient has five family members who have Fabry disease. This is an average, five. So this is not patients at risk, but they actually have Fabry disease. So it's very important to do a proper family screening. 
So let's go back to Jack. Jack was diagnosed as a newborn. Now he's symptomatic. He's only five years old, but he has symptoms, these neurological or neuropathic pain. So what are the next steps for Jack? So if you look at signs and symptoms the, in the classical, and the two big groups, the classical or early onset and the non-classical or late onset. Jack over here has the classical onset, early onset. And when you look at the symptoms, they change over time. The symptoms that we see in the pediatric age group is maybe slightly different from the adolescent and then the adulthood. So keep that in mind as well. But Jack is, is five years old. So fibroid disease may be hard to detect as several of his signs and symptoms may overlap those present in other conditions. So when you have neuropathic pain, probably fibroid disease is not the first diagnosis that comes to your mind, and rightly so. But it should be on the differential diagnosis, and that's, that's what we're asking for. Some of the other symptoms that might alert the practitioner is chronic pain or discomfort in the extremities, heat and cold intolerance. And this manifests as exercise intolerance, unexplained frequent gastrointestinal disturbances, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, abdominal pain, postpandial bloating, signs that might be suggestive of irritable bowel syndrome, IBS. And a lot of these patients actually get diagnosed with IBS. But this is once again a neurological manifestation of Fabry's disease. Then there might be dermatological manifestations called angiokeratomas. Interestingly, Fabry disease was identified by two dermatologists, Fabry's and Anderson, and they made the link between these angiokeratomas, which are spotted, dark red, what we call papules or skin rash, if you want to call it, most commonly found from umbilicus to, to the knees. Now let's look at Fabry disease treatment. When should disease modifying therapy be initiated? First of all, supportive treatment and should, should start right away. But what about the disease specific? And, and there are two currently approved. One is the enzyme replacement therapy and the other is the chaperone therapy. Now, the chaperone therapy is not approved for the pediatric age group. So that's would be, would be taking out of the equation. It's only ERT that's approved as of now, March 2022. So the presence of Fabry symptoms in boys and girls of any age is a strong indication for treatment initiation with ERT which is a Galcides beta in the U.S. Treatment should be initiated before irreversible end organ damage has occurred. There's always a delay in diagnosis as we have already spoken about. So the, the key thing is early diagnosis and intervention. Now, asymptomatic children's Fabry mutation should be followed closely for development of renal, cardiac, neurological, or gastrointestinal signs and symptoms or laboratory changes or in other studies, including imaging, cardiac imaging and all that, which would warrant treatment initiation. Treatment on an individual basis in cases of severe renal insufficiency, dialysis, or cognitive decline should be done. Now, once we have discussed the disease-specific or disease-modifying treatment, what about follow-up and longitudinal monitoring for symptoms and signs? This is very important because uh, Fabry disease is a multi-system disease. It affects multiple systems and tends to be slowly progressive over time. And this is what we call scheduled assessment. And there's assessments that are done on certain intervals of time, and there are charts that you can use to follow them. So going back to Jack, Jack's parents decide to start him on ERT with a gal Cides beta, emphasize to his parents that this is a lifelong condition and reiterate the importance of regular follow-up. And this is based on the scheduled assessments. 
And there's a whole bunch of tests that, but at the minimum, do an annual physical examination. Also advice that Jack will need cardiac assessments starting at age 10. And he might need a follow-up with an eye doctor because even though corneal verticillitis by themselves don't impair vision, there might be other ocular manifestations of Fabry disease that should be followed. Now, let's look at another case of Fabry disease. Our patient here is a five-year-old girl named Lily. She was identified as having Fabry disease through newborn screening. She now presents with neuropathic pain and was also found to have corneal verticillitis on a slit lap examination when she went to her eye doctor. Her examination is otherwise unremarkable. So Lily was diagnosed as a newborn and now she is symptomatic. And as we know, this neuropathic pain is one of the cardinal manifestations of Fabry disease. So what are the next steps for Lily? So when we look at Fabry disease, but specifically when we look at pediatric female patients, there's some key items to keep in mind. Now, females experience symptoms at later ages and with lower prevalence as compared to males. For example, males will be, the average age will be six and females' average age will be nine. The most common symptoms at presentation in this age group, neuropathic pain in hands and feet, 59% males versus 41% females, gastrointestinal symptoms, and we discussed that, nausea, vomiting, constipation or diarrhea or them alternating, abdominal pain, all these things that might be suggestive of IBS, virtual bowel syndrome, and a lot of these patients get misdiagnosed with IBS. And how do we test? The alpha-gal-A enzyme in females is often normal. So for them, the genetic testing is required. This is an important point to keep in mind. The enzyme activity might be within the normal range. Now, how about some treatment considerations in patients which are in the pediatric age group and females or anyone with late onset mutation. So if they are symptomatic, enzyme replacement therapy with agalcidase beta can be initiated as early as two years, same as males. And initiate ERT if evidence of disease progression is there. And this could be signs, symptoms, or anything found on testing. Insufficient evidence for ERT in girls without organ damage or signs or symptoms of disease. So let's go back to Lily. Lily's parents decide to start her on ERT since she's symptomatic. Now, this might need a lot of convincing as well because a lot of parents might be reluctant. So this is where education is critical. Early diagnosis and intervention will give you the best results. Also emphasize to her parents that this is a lifelong condition and reiterate the importance of regular follow-up. And this includes animal physical exams, kidney function testing, cardiovascular, and a lot more that is a part and parcel of our scheduled assessments. We can also refer Lily to an eye doctor, not just for her corneal opacity, but there might be some other manifestations of Fabry disease that can affect the eyes. And also advise that Lily will need cardiac assessments starting at age 10. The genetic counseling and genetics are very important. Once again, this is a team approach. Multidisciplinary team is very important. And Lily should also be referred to a pain specialist. So this is also very important. So let's look at our next case with Fabry disease. The patient's name is Michael. He's 22 years old. He has a history of chronic pain. He was also found to have angiokeratomas on physical examination. And his symptoms were consistent with irritable bowel syndrome. 
And these symptoms include nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, abdominal pain, post-handal bloating. So now we have Michael, and what do we do with him? Currently, he's not on any specific treatment. And his examination, besides the angioceratomas, which is in the, the what we call the bathing trunk uh, distribution, and this is also important, these angioceratomas are highly suggestive of, or classical even, of Faber disease, but they're not pathognomonic. What that means is that, that there are other causes besides Fabry's of angiokeratomas. But if you see angiokeratoma in a patient, and you will probably need to undress them because like I said, a lot of these end up in the bathing trunk area, then think about Fabry disease. That's an automatic testing that you should do. You see angiokeratomas and, and you should talk to your dermatologist, you should talk to your primary care physicians, whoever you can speak to and educate them about angiokeratomas and automatic testing of Fabry disease. Same thing with the verticillatus. Talk to your optometrist or ophthalmologist that if they see these now, these verticillatus will not be seen on bedside or chairside examination with, with, with your flashlight. They're only seen on slit lab examination. So educate your optometrist and ophthalmologist that, that if they see that, that they should automatically refer them for Faber disease testing. In adults, some of the hallmarks of the disease include unexplained kidney dysfunction, progressing to end-stage kidney disease, unexplained cardiomyopathy, especially left ventricle hypertrophy. So if you see a patient in a kidney setting that has left ventricle hypertrophy out of proportion to the kidney disease, as we know in kidney patients, anemia can cause LVH, hypertension can cause LVH, but you, if you see it out of proportion in your patient, think about Fabry's disease. There could also be arrhythmias. That's important. Independent of L LVH, these patients can have foci of irritation that can cause, and that's why it's very important for, to screen them for arrhythmias. So going back to Michael, Michael's symptoms are suggestive of Fabry disease as a possible cause. What test should you order for Michael? Keep in mind, he's a 22-year-old male. So let's look at testing for Michael. In males, the enzyme, the alpha-galactosidase A activity testing, alone should cleanse the diagnosis in majority of cases. Why? Because males only have one X chromosome, and if it's defective, then the enzyme activity will almost be non-existent, which we call almost less than 1%. And this is highly suggestive of Fabry disease. And you can confirm the diagnosis by genetic testing for the mutation, which is on chromosome X. And also rule out any benign polymorphisms that can cause reduced alpha-gal-A activity. So on testing, Michael is found to have Fabry disease. He did not have the amenable mutation. Men with Fabry disease are at higher rates of progression of kidney disease. So what are some of the next steps for Michael? So what options do we have for Michael, who's a 22-year-old male with Fabry disease? Now, keep in mind that we have to do all the supportive treatment. That includes controlling blood pressure, controlling the proteinuria, dyslipidemia, and all the other risk factors for cardiovascular renal disease in, in patients. But what are the options available for disease-specific treatment for Michael? As mentioned, he had a non-amenable mutation. So in that setting, he will, will not be a candidate for the chaperone therapy. So as far as enzyme replacement therapy is concerned with agalcidase beta, which is recombinant form of humor alpha-gal-A enzyme, it is, should be considered on all males symptomatic or asymptomatic and at any age. So Michael decides to start taking ERT 
you explain to him the importance of regular monitoring. This includes kidney, cardiovascular disease, and a lot more. And this is what we call the scheduled assessments. So Michael should be provided and so should his care team with a table of scheduled assessments that Michael should go through. So let's look at our next case of Fabry disease. Here we have Emily, who's a female and is 22 years old. You suspect Fabry disease in Emily. So what tests can you order to confirm the diagnosis or actually rule out if Emily has Fabry's disease? Now, just to go, going back, she, her, her symptoms include chronic pain and she had a quote-unquote diagnosis of irritable bowel syndrome. On physical examination, the only thing that is positive is endocarditis, which is in the bathing suit distribution. And as far as treatment, she's only taking ibuprofen for her pain, which she says does not work. So let's go over diagnosis of Fabry disease in a patient like Emily, which is an adult woman. So in females, alpha-gal-A enzyme activity testing alone will not cleanse the diagnosis because of the way the disease is inherited. Females have two X chromosomes and one of them is abnormal. So the females can actually have, quote-unquote, normal enzyme activity. So to confirm a diagnosis in females, we do have to do the mutation testing, the genetic testing. So let's go back to Emily. Emily is diagnosed with Fabry disease based on the presence of the GLA mutation. We explained to Emily what Fabry disease means, what it entails, and what impact it's going to have on her life. Keep in mind, she's a young female and might be planning to have her family of her own. We also educated Emily about just supportive treatment, and then we went over the disease-specific treatment. It's important to let the patients know that starting the disease-specific treatment as early as possible is critical, so this can slow down or even prevent any organ damage that might have happened. And also, there is a pretty good likelihood that the patient will need enzyme replacement therapy for the rest of her life, as far as we know at this point. So Emily does agree to start taking enzyme replacement therapy. We also emphasize the importance of what we call scheduled assessments that are done on a regular basis. And the tables and charts that should be shared with the patient and healthcare providers about these scheduled assessments. Now, if we have a female that has a known mutation for Fabry disease, but is currently asymptomatic, then it's very important that we follow her very closely through our scheduled assessments. And if there's any evidence of organ involvement or signs and symptoms suggestive of Fabry disease, then enzyme replacement therapy or disease-specific treatment should be discussed with the patient. Now, let's look at some of the kidney manifestations in women. Renal failure tends to be less common, about 1-2%. to Renal function at diagnosis, 26% have normal kidney function, 31% have decreased EGFR, and 46% have albuminuria or proteinuria. Now let's go back to Emily. Fabry disease is inherited. It's caused by a mutation in the GLA gene on X chromosome. So Emily is concerned about starting a family and is worried she can transmit Fabry disease to her future kids. So how would you counsel Emily? So counseling with a genetic counselor or a medical geneticist at diagnosis is very critical. Also identify family members at risk and get them counseled and tested. Address any psychosocial issues and any economic, social, 
or insurance impacts that testing might have. Refer to support groups, very important, Fabry disease support groups. Now, Emily is 22 years old, and as was mentioned, she is planning to have a family. So how does this impact her, her you know, pregnancies and kids that she might want to have? So preconception and prenatal counseling is very important. So our next case is David. He's a 48 years old male. And he has a history of gastrointestinal symptoms suggestive of irritable bowel syndrome, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, abdominal pain, and postprandial fullness. He also has left ventricle hypertrophy that was found on EKG and also followed up on, on an echocardiogram. And recently, he started spilling protein in his urine. So now he has proteinuria. And on further testing, he was found to have Fabry disease with the amenable mutation. However, when they did further testing of his kidney function, his GFR was found to be below 30 mils per minute corrected for body surface area. So in summary, we have a patient who has Fabry disease. He does have the amenable mutation, but he has what we would call fairly advanced kidney disease based both on GFR and also in the amount of protein he's spilling in his urine. So we discussed about his history. Current therapy, he is taking lisinopril. Uh, he's on the maximum dose of 40 milligrams. He's also taking a torvastatin for his dyslipidemia. He's also taking amlodipine for his blood pressure control. And the, his current nephrologist is planning to add a diuretic for mild swelling that was noticed recently. On physical examination, the only positive findings were blood pressure was 145 over 90. He had mild pitting edema on examination. He also was found to have angiokeratomas once again in his bathing suit distribution. So let's talk about classic versus late onset Fabry disease. So late onset Fabry disease is three times more common than classic. Symptom onset is between the age 30 to 70 years. It tends to have, in general, a milder phenotype. So kidney consequences of untreated Fabry disease. So all Fabry patients are at risk of having kidney disease. A chronic kidney disease course often resembles what we see in diabetic nephropathy. Why do I say that? Diabetes is the most common cause of kidney disease in the U.S. and it's also a systemic disease. And most of these patients are vasculopaths. Same thing happens with Fabrase. These patients tend to be vasculopaths. Fabrase is also a multi-system disease. Untreated patients end up with ESKD, requiring dialysis or transplant in the age of 50s or even earlier. There's progressive accumulation of the end product of glycolipid metabolism, the GL3, in kidney cells, especially porocytes, but almost every aspect of the kidneys are affected by Fabrase. And I think that's similar to with diabetes. The life expectancy decreases by almost 10 to 20 years. So it's not just the quality, but also the quality of life that is affected. So the late onset taps varies by the allele. There's later onset of symptoms, but what we have to keep in mind, damage can occur much earlier, even before symptoms start. Treatment considerations in late onset Fabry disease with amenable variant for Megalostat. Now, once again, the treatment should include all the adjunct treatment, supportive treatment, the standard of care that we will have with patients with kidney disease, CKD, cardiovascular disease, so on and so forth. But here we are focusing on disease-specific treatment. 
So consider ERT with agalcidase beta, which is recombinant form of human alpha-gal AA enzyme in all males, symptomatic or asymptomatic, at any age. So there is no guideline specific to late-onset patients. Megalostat is approved in U.S. for patients with the amenable variants. And once again, the guidelines came before 2018 when the approval happened. 25 to 50% of patients with Fabry disease have amenable mutations. And the amenability is determined by in vitro pharmacogenetics assay. What are some of the unknowns? Lack of data on major kidney events or in patients with significant kidney impairment. That is, GFR less than 30 mils per minute corrected for body surface areas. Also, European Medicines Agency guidance on monitoring kidney, cardiovascular, and biochemical markers every six months. And last but not the least, the U.S. and European guidelines have yet not been updated to include Megalostat. So let's go back to David. After speaking to David, he's concerned about the lack of information about Megalostat and advanced kidney function, which is... GFR less than 30 mils per minute corrected for body surface area. After further discussion, he decides to start enzyme replacement therapy. It was explained to him the importance of regular monitoring, which we call scheduled assessments, and a chart and table was provided to him. And also, we asked to share this with his healthcare team. It was also emphasized that he will be on enzyme replacement therapy most likely for, for the rest of his life based on the information and data we have at this time. So let's look at our next case. We have Vicky, who's a 48-year-old female, has a history of gastrointestinal symptoms, which have been diagnosed in the past as irritable bowel syndrome. She had nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, abdominal pain, and postprandial fullness. She was also found to have left ventricle hypertrophy on electrocardiogram, which is followed up by an echocardiogram. And last but not the least, she was found to be spilling protein in her urine when she was tested for a kidney function. When she was tested for Fabry's, she tested positive and she was found to have the amenable Fabry disease variant. So let's look at Vicky in a, in a bit more detail. We spoke about some of the key findings. She's 48 years old. She has gastrointestinal symptoms. She was also found to have left ventricle hypertrophy, both on EKG and which was followed by echocardiograms. She had angiokeratomas in her bathing suit distribution when she was examined. She's currently taking lisinopril, 40 milligrams. She's also taking atorvastatin, 80 milligrams every day. Her blood pressure, which was found to be 150 over 90, her primary care physician has decided to add amlodipine for better control of her blood pressure. Her examination, except for the angiokeratomas, was unremarkable. However, there was mild pitting edema that was seen in the lower extremities bilaterally. So what are some of the treatment considerations for late onset fiber disease in women with the amenable variant? So there are no guidelines specific to late onset fiber disease in women. Consider enzyme replacement therapy for symptomatic females with signs and symptoms or major organ involvement with fiber disease. And when you're prescribing megalostat, for men or women, some of the unknowns need to be kept in mind. That includes the data on with inpatient with GFR less than 30, but also females who want to get pregnant or want to breastfeed. So those are considerations that have to be kept in mind. 
So we have further discussion with Vicky about her newly diagnosed Fabry disease. She was referred to our genetic counselors and geneticists. We also discussed with her if she had any plans to get pregnant. And she said, no, she is not going to, she's not planning to have any kids. Then we had a, a discussion about this disease modifying treatment, which includes enzyme replacement therapy and also the chaperone therapy with Miguelistat. And the latter one is oral as opposed to IV infusions every two weeks with enzyme replacement therapy. After further discussion, we also discussed the data that, that support use of enzyme replacement therapy and Miguelistat. And the patient decided that at this point, she would like to go with Miguelistat, the oral treatment. We also explained to her the importance of regular schedule assessments and all the standard of care that should go along with, with disease-specific treatment, including minimizing cardiovascular, renal risk factors, dyslipidemia, and also blood pressure management and proteinuria. So in conclusions, Fabry disease is a rare, excellent lysosomal storage disorder. It can affect women. They are not carriers, but are heterozygotes. We need to address family planning and pregnancy concerns, breastfeeding as well. And in our scenario, Vicky was 48 years old and she had decided not to have any offsprings or get pregnant. But if she did, that will change the treatment options that she has. Also, we have to keep in mind that diagnostic delays up to 20 years despite testing and newborn screening. Multiple organs are affected, including the kidneys, the cardiovascular system, and the neurological system. The Key thing is early diagnosis and intervention, and hopefully we initiate treatment before organ damage has happened, and if organ damage has happened, to, to slow down progression. The two currently FDA-approved treatments for Fabry disease includes enzyme replacement therapy with agalcidase beta, which is effective and has plenty of data behind it. And then the oral chaperone therapy with Miguelistat, which is also effective, but it's limited to patients with the amyloid mutations and more studies are being done currently on Miguelistat. Last but not the least, Faber disease requires lifelong management and monitoring. And also, we should not forget the at-risk family members that should be tested. And if found to be positive, should be put on treatment if they're okay with that. So with that, I want to thank you for, for joining me in this presentation. And I hope you found this, this presentation useful. Faber disease is a rare disease, but it's not rare if you have it. And one of my favorite quotations is, your eyes see what your brain knows. So even though it's a rare disease, it does happen. And we should always keep the differential diagnosis in mind. The diagnosis might be difficult, but the testing is pretty straightforward. Thank you once again for joining me for this educational event. This activity is certified by Medical Learning Institute Incorporated. This activity is developed with our educational partner, PVI, Peerview Institute for Medical Education. Thank you for listening. Download materials and complete the post-test for instant credit at peerview.com forward slash GPD 860. This activity is supported by an educational grant from Sanofi U.S.